and welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. Hi, I'm Kenny Carpolito. I'm here with Nancy and Kenny, and we will be talking with Molly Lahneman. She's a senior exercise science and Spanish student at the University of South Carolina. And she's going to be attending medical school at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences in the fall. She's getting ready to graduate right now, and then she'll go right into the school in the fall. So welcome, Molly. Thank you. Hi, Molly. This is Nancy. Hi. Hi, Molly. This is Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Hi. So um, I guess the first thing we want to do is uh, have you tell us just a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah, so like you said, um, I'm about to graduate in a couple weeks from the University of South Carolina. Um, Mm -hmm. The last two years, I have been working here in uh, Columbia, South Carolina with the stroke survivor community. Um, I started with my thesis director, uh, Dr. Stacey Fritz, in her research lab. She was working on a project with her um, physical therapy students called The Next Gym, and the goal of that project was to kind of get stroke survivors back into a routine where they can exercise and move and kind of regain some of their balance and mobility following a stroke um, in order to prevent another one. So she had uh, several participants in that uh, gym, and I was an undergraduate assistant working with her on that project. And through that, I really got to know several stroke survivors in the community and kind of connected with them and realized really how uh, resilient these people were after their strokes. Um, And I just wanted to kind of give something back to the stroke community. And um, I kind of came up with this uh, resource that I'm trying to get people to know all about. It's called TIPS, um, that's spelled T-I-P-P-S. And it stands for Tools and Inventions for and from uh, People Post-Stroke. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. All right. So um, in your uh, work with Dr. Uh, Stacy Fritz and her research project, is that finished now? Are you still uh, involved in that or is she still involved in that? Um, it's, it's kind of a work in progress. The uh, study that I was kind of a part of and helping out with was a pilot project. So uh, there were seven participants one semester and eight participants the other semester. Um, And they were just looking at it on a really small scale to see if this would be kind of a a thing that could be useful for the community as a whole. Because the idea is to have a gym where um, stroke survivors can go and work out with other stroke survivors and also be supervised by either physical therapy students or volunteers or other, you know, very certified exercise people. Um, and then they're with other survivors that kind of understand what they're going through and the difficulties that they may have. Um, so this was just kind of the pilot project to see if people would be interested, if it would be helpful, um, what kind of barriers there are in the community as far as transportation or cost or that kind of thing. Um, so the, the project uh, from the pilot standpoint, has ended. Um, we applied for funding to bring it into the community because we wanted to obviously 
um, pay to have a bigger space. We are just doing this original study in her gym. So it's, it's just part of the, the university. It's not very big. Um, so we were trying to move to either like a, a Y gym or a planet fit, you know, something. Um, mm-hmm. But we unfortunately didn't get the original grant that we um, applied for. So we're still kind of working on that. And there's lots of other money and funding out there. We just have to find someone who is ready to give us the funding for this project. So. Absolutely. I know grant writing is uh, uh, almost a full-time position in itself. Um, I do know that here in St. Louis, we have um, access to a a gym similar to this, but it's, it's for a lot of disabilities, not, um, just for stroke survivors, and it is at uh, uh, the school here, Washington University. Okay. Uh, and uh, they do it just, I don't think it's every day. It's like on a Saturday and a Monday or something, and they have certain hours that people can come. But, you know, I know transportation was a problem for some, but it was very inexpensive when you look at a gym membership and, and this. It was like 5 or $10 a visit or something. Right. And it was it was great. Unfortunately for me, it was still, even though I'm in the St. Louis area, way too far away right. to, to make that trip. But what a wonderful thing it would be if we could have this all sorts of places. Right. Yeah. So um, I do know there's all sorts of other programs like uh, I think some insurance companies offer something called silver sneakers. Um, and I think sometimes those are through the Y, but. I don't know that they address physical limitations Mm -hmm. so much, but because it's for an older crowd, they might. Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard of it. I don't know too much about the program. Um, I know from like Stacy's standpoint and the, the um, kind of standpoint of a, a physical therapist in the physical and occupational therapy community. um, They've seen kind of, injuries that occur from people who have tried either through other programs or just on their own. You know, people know that they need to be mobile after a stroke, but if they don't know how to do that, there's kind of an information piece missing. And sometimes these programs, you know, it's hard to provide that piece. So that's kind of um, another one of the things that this next gym was trying to get at was the information on how to be safe and exercise safely, um, and then also be surrounded by other people who might be experiencing the same things. Silver Sneakers is a program that's part of insurance policies, HMO insurance policies, that happen with Medicare when you turn 65. Mm -hmm. And what Silver Sneakers does is most of the gyms in the United States, the major, big, huge corporate gyms, they subscribe to Silver Sneakers, and they pay the gym membership for the members. And so whatever uh, classes that you want to buy, or if you want to hire a personal trainer or work with somebody special in there, you can pay for that on the side. And so that might be something your gym might want to explore because you can, you will be able to get at least some funding for the gym at all times. Okay. Yeah. Now I haven't um, explored it too much, but that is definitely something that would be helpful as far as the cost barrier goes. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know anything about how it works with the gym and Medicare and those insurance policies, but it's, it's something to look into anyway. Right. Of course. So Molly, why did you choose the launch to launch a site online? 
Um, well, the idea actually came from a conversation I was having with two of the participants in the, the next gym. Um, it was kind of a unusually cold day in South Carolina. We don't get too many of those, but um, as the participants were leaving, they were zipping up their jacket. Um, and I noticed that each of them had kind of had a, um, a string or a more of like a Velcro piece um, that was attached to their zipper to help them zip up their jacket. And then another gentleman went to go put on um, his like boot tops or shoes or, you know, something. And he had a creative way to tie his shoes. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, where did you guys come up with this? Um, and they said that they, you know, you kind of have to learn to adapt when you can't. These particular people were um, suffering from a hemiparesis. So they were um, not able to use one of their... Um, in one gentleman's case, his dominant arm. So he had to kind of be creative on how he gets himself dressed. And I thought that was just really smart. And um, this particular gentleman said that he had looked on the internet to find other solutions like this, like other adaptive technology devices. And while there's things out there, he had to really search specifically for each thing. And he's like, it would be so nice if you could just type in one thing and come up with all these resources all in one place. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe nobody's thought of that. And I was like, I have a project that I am doing for graduation. That's one of our requirements for the honors college here is to make a thesis project or paper. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I did that for my senior thesis project? Um, so I did. And I asked uh, for the help of the stroke participants for this gym and they gave me all their suggestions and I found some other stuff on my own online and um, I came up with tips. So um, why do you think websites are critical in providing online support? So this is actually something that a lot of people asked me when I said I was gonna do this project for my senior thesis and make an online resource. They were like, well, isn't, isn't stroke kind of for like, old people that don't really use computers that much. And I was like, no, 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 you people, no, you don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, stroke affects people of all backgrounds, all ages, a lot of different um, communities, different, different people. Um, and especially now the, the stroke age, like the height of, you know, people who have strokes, they're very computer savvy, you know, computers have become such a big part of our society nowadays, that it's, it's almost hard not to know how to use basic search functions and um, basic, you know, have access to basic computer skills. So kind of through talking with my um, stroke survivor, you know, people in the next gym, they're like, oh, yeah, I use I use the internet all the time to look on Amazon and look on YouTube. And I was like, well, perfect. I mean, if, if you guys think that this would be something that the rest of the stroke community would use and would turn to, then, you know, why not? I can't let the, you know, assumption that people are, you know, stroke survivors are too old to use computers stop me from providing, you know, something that could be useful to those who do know how to use computers. So. And if they don't know how to use computers, at least here, our local libraries offer a class or, well, a bunch of classes 
And then they also have a computer techie person that is available on certain days at, at, and times. Um, you know, so it's thought I could live without a computer and a, a smartphone and, a, you know, but it the way. And my father and have computer skills, not great ones, but they right. still, you know, everybody now has to almost use a computer. And there are so many ways to figure out how to do it and, and at low cost. Right. So what's your vision at this point for uh, tips? Where do you want it to go in the long run? So I'm hoping, um, I mean, up to this point, it's just been kind of a small scale um, me working with people who've become my friends within the survivor community here um, and getting ideas from them and finding some ideas on my own. And then I've kind of used a, a email campaign to spread the word to other like stroke survivor groups and therapists and that kind of thing throughout the U.S. just to get people to look at the site and see that there's information out there and a place that they can turn to. Uh, but my goal is that it becomes really a, a living database and a kind of a working database for, you know, these kinds of suggestions. So I'm hoping that people will submit their own things. I have a, an email address that's specifically for uh, the TIPS website. There's a contact page that people can send in suggestions. So I really want it to be something that uh, keeps changing with people's needs. I've also kind of thought about including some aphasia stuff or some some speech stuff. Most of my contacts from the next gym were uh, limited in their mobility, so that's why up to this point most of the content on there is mobility related because that's where I was getting my information from. Um, but in the future, if you know if people start submitting that stuff, I'll I'll start putting that on there. <laughs> okay, so your website is tips, and that's T I P P S. Yes. Dash sc.com or they can also email you at tips again t-i-p-p-s dot sc at gmail.com and that's with suggestions or I guess even questions comments anything um, uh, you know that uh, they might want to get to you about your site or about different things so that is great you know I think that um, we can do this again, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Talk more about it and, and what you do, and maybe even this fall talk to you about your education still <laughs> and where maybe it's going. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, Nancy or Kenny? I had a question. Um, so after you graduate, can you come work with us? <laughs> you our team? No, I know you're going to be an extended arm of our team but um so after you graduate is this something you, that your vision that you're going to continue doing um because i know you want to be a doctor or, or whatever but is this something that you're going to continue um with right i mean i think like i see no reason to to not honestly um it's already set up. All that needs to be done is add more things when I find them or when people send them to me. So, I mean, in my mind, as long as people keep submitting stuff and keep, you know, looking at the website and it seems like it's a resource that people are actually using and, and getting something out of, then um, I can, 
I'm definitely anticipating on adding that to my list of hobbies. So, <laughs> right. so I mean, that that's um, excellent. That's really good. Now, what do you plan on doing to reach the stroke community as like um, in the hospitals when they get out of, you know, when they get out of the hospital and everything? Um, how do you plan on getting um, in contact with these stroke survivors through the through the Internet or what? Um, so far, I've found that the most useful thing is to reach out to um, stroke survivor groups. Yeah. Those are the kind of people who, you know, have the experience and, you know, know these kinds of the issues that people are dealing with and uh, how this resource could really be helpful to people that they come in contact with. And a lot of the stroke survivor group leaders that I've like contacted um, are more than willing to share the um, the website name and the like website address. And then I have a little flyer that I've been sending to people um, that has the same information on it. And they've been sharing that with their colleagues, um, with you know other therapists that they know, other leaders that they know. Um, so I'm really hoping that just kind of through word of mouth that I'll be able to get it out to the most people as possible. That's great, that sounds good. Well, um, thank you for that. That was very um, informative also. So, yeah, okay, that, that filled in some of my blanks. So. <laughs> hey, Nancy. I was just looking up the number of elderly people that are on the internet. And it's <laughs> over 52% of the elderly people in this country are using the internet. And they show the largest growth since 2000 of all of the age ages that use the internet. They show the largest growth. So more and more of them are becoming internet savvy. Right. <laughs> and they use it as a tool. So we need to keep that in mind. They're there and, and we can get them, you know, um, happening and we can reach them through that medium yeah um, it's it also I think they use it more now because it keeps them in contact with not only family but friends and information right. and um, they if and especially if they can't get out as much it, mm -hmm. it, it still gives them the not the same closeness but it still gives them a connection a little freedom yes absolutely so that's really kind of all my questions. Do you have anything, Molly, that you would like to add that maybe we haven't discussed? Um, I mean, kind of one of the the goals besides getting, you know, as many people to hear about tips as possible that I have and, you know, gathering as many other suggestions um, is that it really becomes another way for stroke survivors to connect to one another. Um, I did some research as I was working on the project about um, especially like stroke survivors who are in more rural areas that don't have maybe a stroke support group that they can turn to or um, a community resource or a church or something that where they can go and be amongst people who uh, may be experiencing similar things. And so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that people will be able to um, maybe not directly communicate with each other. I don't know how much, you know, commenting will happen on the website. It's open for comments if people want to comment, but I don't know if that's something that'll take off. Um, but just to be able to see that other people also struggle tying their shoes or also get their jacket zipped on the first try. I'm hoping that that kind of brings a sense of solidarity and um, positivity to, to people who are living with 
some kind of limitation as a result of a stroke. So that's kind of just one of the other things that I'm really hoping people get out of the website in general. Right. I run two in-person stroke support groups, and one of them happens to be in a rural area. The stroke survivors asked for it. Unfortunately, we found their problem then is still getting there uh, to that. And so a lot of the, the stuff we do is we try to refer them also to, uh, you know, other resources. And that's why yours, your uh, tips is going to be so nice because right now we all have to go to, you know, 20 different places to find uh, the one that's going to have what we're looking for, even though it says, you know, if we have this information, you can go in and they don't. Um, so this is your uh, service or your uh, site is really going to be very helpful. And I can't wait to share it with my groups and, um, at, well, and anybody else that I talk with because I work with a lot of stroke survivors. So... Yeah, that's great. I mean, thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, I'm just, I'm just hoping that it'll help. Really, if it helps one person, I feel like I've, I've yeah. done what I set out to do. So, yeah. the more positive feedback I get, the more I'm just like, oh my gosh, my heart. I'm so happy. So, <laughs> Cam, um, I had something for you. Yes. Um, I just looked up on the internet. Um, fifty percent of senior citizens are on the internet, and the other fifty are at bingo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where they are. <laughs> I need you to come up with something here. Know. You know, my mother, um, I'm trying to get her to do the computer thing, and I want to get her one because she's stuck in an apartment, you know, by herself all day with the TV. Um, where can she get some lessons? At the library, you said? They give them well, out? In, in my area, the library gives all kinds of resources. So they have uh, classes, and oh. they have a tech person that uh, sits there for three or four hours and will work with you um, at, at a different time. But, yeah, that is one. Um, I don't know about anybody else that does free classes. Or the senior center, maybe. You can always check, like, at a community college if there's one around. Yeah. They we have some classes or some of the schools here have like uh, programs where um, that they have people who come in and for a slight charge will uh, have computer classes or crafting classes or whatever. And they're more uh, accessible because it's at a school usually closer than, than sometimes the community college or something might be. I know of two other possible sources. If there is a senior citizen center in your area, they yeah. almost always have like, free or very inexpensive um, computer classes. And if there is an adult education program put out by the school board in your community, they usually send out little booklets yeah. through the mail of what classes are available. Those are great ways to get community or to get computer classes for seniors. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll look into that. Thank you very much because. Me trying to help my teach my mother how to even get a password, we'll be going at it all day. Like, I don't know. We can't be in a small room alone because um, we'll <laughs> argue like crazy. <laughs> Not press delete. <laughs> all that work I did and you want to, oh. And she'll, she'll find a way to really get to me but um, under my skin. But 
I'll just send her to the senior center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the best way. Then she'll be working with her peers too, with other people who, who are learning the same skills and they'll help each other. Yeah, yeah, that'll be really good. So that really does kind of end our time. So I, I want to thank you, Molly. This has really been um, wonderful for us uh, to hear about your program. And um, I wish you luck in uh, going forward with this. And um, hopefully we can have you on again and yeah, that, you can, uh, that we can figure out a way to work with you and Walhalla as far as getting some of this information out there too. And um, we will talk soon. I just want to say thank you to Kenny and Nancy and, and Molly, and um, we'll see you next time on the podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.